Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. We're going to learn today from a famous passage in John chapter 4, if you want to find that in your Bibles, in in John's Gospel in chapter 4, about a woman whose life was really realigned. If you were here, well you weren't here, if if you came to our All Together at Manchester Academy last week, hands up who was there, anybody came? Brilliant, thanks for coming back. We were were, were all together from lots of different uh, Ivy sites at Manchester Academy and a talk there about our essential intent, what it is that we reckon we're here for more than anything else is that we want to help just to reflect the Father's heart. We want to move people who feel lost and alone, we want to move people who feel lost and alone to feeling being found and at home. That's really what we're about because a lot of people are getting lost and alone in the world and and God doesn't want that. He wants them to be found and he wants them to be at home, to be at home with him and to be at home with other people too. And as I looked at this story, it just seems to me to crystallize so much of what that means in the life of one particular woman who uh, was lost and alone in the world and she met Jesus and she had this incredible encounter with Jesus where she was found by him and he removed her aloneness by being with her but then she went and found and became part of a community of fellow believers she didn't just have this individual relationship with Jesus she became a disciple who makes disciples and I said last week if you were there that that's our minimal radical standard around here that's what we're about we we just want to share Jesus's expectation that every disciple everybody who says I'm a Jesus follower is going to be somebody who goes and is engaged in somehow making other disciples helping them to find and follow Jesus as well and um, and she did that because her heart was realigned and I looked at what realigned means the dictionary says it means to put something into a new or correct position or change the way an organization functions. See, the way we change the church is we change. As the church, people who who are here, we change, and then everything changes as a result of that. It isn't like you can just change everybody. Everybody has the opportunity, the invitation to be able to change and realign. So if you're able to stand, will you just stand up for a minute? Close your eyes. Don't think too hard about this. Just point where you think north is. Keep your eyes closed. Just point where you think north is. Oh, you're good. Okay. Most people have got it right. All right. It is that way. Take a seat. We're on a, we're on a main road, Barlamore Road. That's the centre of Manchester. It's not that difficult. Don't congratulate yourself too much. The thing is, that there is actually a north, isn't there? We live in a culture, we live in a society which basically says wherever you think north is, you know, if it feels like that's north to you, you know, if you'd rather that be north, then, you know, who am I? Who am I to tell you that that's not north, if that's where you think north is? We live in a, a, a world where what you think and what you feel directs people in their lives and we're never going to judge anybody else for what they think or what they feel except there's a north 
that's the problem and if I think that's that's north I'm going to end up lost I'm, I'm going to end up you know I could fall off a cliff couldn't I? If, if I no matter how, how sincerely I believe it no matter how hard I think it no matter what I feel and how strongly I feel it it's not the right way and I need to realign in order to be able to go the right way I, you know, otherwise I could aim for the North Pole and end up at the South Pole just because it feels right doesn't mean it is right we get a lot of advice don't we follow your dreams just follow your dreams well that could end up a nightmare because maybe your dream isn't God's dream for your life and we get you know people get encouraged especially young people oh just go with your heart but the Bible says your heart can be deceptive and um, this is why we can end up sometimes feeling lost people end up feeling oh I'm just a bit lost so in this series we're in this year of prayer we're coming into a new season as a church and we're just trying to ask God would you realign our hearts and the way that he does that the way God changes us the way he changes the world is through the church and the way he changes the church is by changing people one life at a time and one of the main ways that he does that is through worship so that's why we need to look at worship for the next few weeks whatever you worship you become like I remember yes I'm that old 1980s boy George and then suddenly like there's all these people who were like look like boy George because they were like boy George fans you know and it's like what you what you worship you end up wanting to be like I read some figures years ago about the amount of Elvis impersonators that there are in the world and you know it was like saying in 1970 I think there were like 300 professional Elvis impersonators and then at the year 2000 there were like 10,000 professional Elvis impersonators and if that continues in 30 years time everybody will be a professional <laughs> Elvis impersonator so what we resemble sorry what we what we what we revere we resemble what we behold we become for better or for worse what we focus on changes us and what what we can end up we can focus on something it becomes an idol an idol is just something that is a pretend god a little god with a small g that we make our god and we end up focusing on that I remember years ago meeting a woman who sincerely told me I was out doing some talking in the streets about Jesus to people and this woman came up and she said oh, I don't need your God I've got my God and I said who is that and she said it's Barry Gibb from the Bee Gees <laughs> literally she worshipped Barry Gibb she followed him all over the world he was her God wow see in the book of Romans the apostle Paul writes and he says whenever you worship a created thing rather than the creator who is forever to be praised you end up on this downward spiral leading further and further away from not just from him but from who you're meant to be and who you're made to be that's what that spiral does we go spinning round and round as we go through the twists and the turns of life in that spiral we're getting up losing perspective we lose focus we don't know which way is up or which way is the right way to go the compass needle is spinning round and round and round and round and round it doesn't settle on north and we end up so distracted by the cares of this world that's why we need to settle and worship and that's what worship does it realigns us there's a novelist by the name of David Foster Wallace not long before he took his own life he said 
the following in a speech. So this was just before he committed suicide. He spoke to a graduating university class and he said these words in his speech. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly. When time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power, you will end up feeling weak and afraid and you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the edge of being found out. But the insidious thing about these forms of worship is they're unconscious. They are default settings. So when we talk about worship here, we're not saying this is just something Christians do. Everyone worships. Everybody worships all the time. We just get to decide whether we're going to worship the one true God or something or somebody else. And the gospel of Jesus Christ comes and realigns our hearts so that we can worship. Jesus has shown us, he says, I'm the way. I'm the way. So he's the one who, who points the way and helps us and brings us away from the false gods and all of the other idols that just eat us alive and gives us life. A writer called Tim Keller leads a great church in New York in a book called Center Church explains why you need to make sure your compass needle is realigned correctly and not just tuned in with what everybody else says but rather with what, what God says and what he says in his word he says if an orchestra are all out of tune they won't be able to tune off each other but as we all tune in to God together we retune to each other because again this isn't just an individual thing we all focus on him and we start to line up together as well there's something that happens in a community of people where you go from being an individual worshipping to being part of something so much bigger and you realise you're connected we're connected by the Holy Spirit So we, and we know worship goes beyond singing some songs things that we do here on Sunday but I don't know if you've ever felt that happen it's an amazing thing when you just suddenly realise we're, we're all part of something bigger now and, it, and it's not, you know, it's like because I've shifted onto Jesus and so I'm God conscious, I'm focused on him and then I become more others conscious but not being self-conscious. Because sometimes I'm others conscious in a self-conscious way of what they might think about me. But if you're really going through it in worship, in a bit, it doesn't really matter what the people around you think, but you think more about the people around you and they start to matter more. So now we're not just singing songs or ringing people on our phones or <laughs> even though studies have shown how great it is for us to be able to sing, you know, we, we have this amazing group here that Hannah Michael set up, uh, Limitless Voices and the people involved in that, just singing is, is great for you. But then we get to realise we're connected through the singing to the one that we're singing to. And we become part of something bigger. That's why we wanted this series. Just a short series to remind us of why worship really matters. So we had an exercise to do recently as a staff meeting. And it was like a kind of businessy thing at one point. And somebody said, you know, any organisation, you have to think about who your stakeholders are. 
who are the stakeholders and we went through various ones and we thought well you know any business if it was a business you'd list who the customers are who the partners are who the potential clients are etc etc and I just had a bit I just sat there and I just went and grabbed the pen and I wrote right in the middle of the flip chart G-O-D because more than anybody else and more than anything else perhaps it's God that's who we're for we want to make sure we're having supernatural encounters here no, just a natural gathering of some people who end up maybe deciding to go and do some good things in the community. Again, the, the people who were asked in this survey about the relevance of the church, 9% of them said that they thought church might in some way be relevant, but lots of people just didn't even answer the questions because they were like, I've got no idea what churches do or why they make any difference or why, how they could. But then when they were asked how they thought they could, there was two things that they said they thought, you, thought the churches might do to be relevant, which was look after old people and collect clothes for the homeless that's basically what they think we should be about and I'm not saying those are bad things they're good things but they're not the main thing God's the main thing and when we make God the main thing he tells us what all the other main things are too so we, we focus on him and then the shift goes to other people as well because in this series I'm doing in the evening about first love tonight I'm talking about, talking about relationships I'm going to talk tonight about what's the most important question that you could ask about any relationship that you're in or you'll ever be in what's the most important question for any relationship so today we're going to look at how critical how vital this regular passionate practice of worshiping together see we may worship sometimes something where people come in sing a few songs say the words come in go out just to say that ain't worship it isn't it's some anemic like inoculation so often against the real thing see the worship of God is meant to be passionate because we realize who it is and what he's done for us and what he'll do for us how he died for our sins he rose again from the grave and you've got to be passionate about that or you haven't really got it and so worship isn't just some optional extra it's meant the Holy Spirit I believe is going to do something amazing in us in every person in this in this church who makes that decision to kind of switch this on in their hearts in the next few weeks and as I was praying what should be like the key theme of this passage and about worship this is a couple of verses that kept coming to mind which you might think have got nothing to do with worship but well, they're on your card they've got a black card I think somewhere near you could I have one if anybody passes it to me uh, thanks this one have a look at the card because these are like memorized memory verses I'd love you to take it home and stick it somewhere where we can see it in the next couple of weeks pray about it think what is this what's God saying to me about this but the advocate let's read it out together but the advocate the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said peace I leave with you my peace I give you I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Just imagine that needle spinning round on the compass, going round and round and round. This is the picture that I got to do with this verse. This is what realigning looks like and it can happen to anybody. And it can happen any time when the Holy Spirit really comes. When, when the Holy Spirit comes, he, and it, happens, it should happen when we worship, he teaches us he reminds us he gets the arrow pointing the right way his peace comes no matter what's been going on have you ever had that in worship 
you know when you've been you've come in all stressed out and this has happened that's happened and then something happens in worship and peace that the world can't go can't give comes and settles down in us and you're not troubled and you're not so afraid anymore all of those things this is all worship and it's so important that we're going to focus on it for the next few weeks especially even as we today as we, as we start thinking about how uh, in, in, we've got Gary Chapman in two services but then the week after we're going to actually officially launch us two services here when we come, to come together in worship we want to remember why we come together and worship what happens what happens in here has to affect what happens in here and then that will affect what happens out there so John's gospel chapter 4 finally got there that was the introduction find it in your bibles or on your phones or you version or whatever it talks about the time when Jesus met this lady and it starts out a bit awkward the conversation it got a bit personal for her she went to try and steer the conversation away and talk about worship and then as they were talking about worship something realigned for her and it changed everything and she got that peace that she'd never had before her direction shifted Jesus taught her and reminded her some things and peace came and that affected not only her life but the lives of everybody that she knew and everybody who knew her too so a chat about water ends up being a talk about worship and what is worship well the Oxford English Dictionary defines worship as the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity that's the English word but there's no Hebrew word actually specifically for worship we translate it a particular phrase and we call it worship but it isn't actually worship in, old, in the Old Testament the, the Old Testament word is hishtavah which basically means this that's it bow down that's the word all, all the times when you can see in the Old Testament and they worshipped and you say they worshipped and bowed down but basically it just says they bowed down and we added in worshipped so it's like, it's like a, you come into the presence of the king and you bow down so that's what is going on here it's a specific outward expression of respect that's what it is it's just showing respect so Genesis 24 verse 26 says he bowed his head and worshipped but really it literally just says he bowed his head um, Exodus 14 verse 31 they all bent down from a distance we can translate it as they worshipped from a distance but basically they all went all this crowd of people the word occurs 171 times and very often it's just talking about giving respect to a, a king or to an angel or to God it's a respect word and you might not find Hebrew and Greek particularly interesting I can understand that um, but here's in, what I think is interesting in the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in the New Testament this word shows up 26 times translated with the word proskuneo which means people bowed down and actually literally you could say it's bowed the knee so they'll talk about doing that to Jesus in the book of Revelation it shows up 21 times so angels are always bowing down before the throne lots of bowing down going on but in the letters of Paul it only shows up once in 1 Corinthians 14 and in the letters of Peter and James and John all those other letters it doesn't show up at all which is interesting isn't it because you would think they're, they're writing about church and what's important in church so you would think that they would be saying about what worship and they would be talking about worship a lot but they don't they don't use this word for worship at all even though it's a hugely significant word in the Old Testament it doesn't appear at all in all these church letters in the New Testament why is that 
Or maybe it's because of what the Old Testament concepts of worship was versus what the New Testament concepts of worship is. And that's what we're going to see. Because maybe the answer is found in this passage from John chapter 4, when a Samaritan woman met Jesus, or rather he met her, at a well. John's Gospel says this, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now actually there was no geographical reason for him to have to go through that. It was a decision that he made. And everything in his culture at the time would say that he shouldn't go through that place because good Jewish people did not go through Samaria. You see, for the Jewish people, the Samaritans were like this half-breed, traitorous group of people who left the one true faith. And instead of coming to worship on the mountain of Jerusalem, where the temple was, their true temple, they'd set up their own rival temple on their own mountain. And that's where they went to go and do the worship at a place called Mount Gerizim. So every, I mean that was one of the things that really annoyed them, but every good Jewish man or woman would go nowhere near Samaria because that was where the bad people lived, that was where the, 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 the apostates, if you want a posh word for it, the, that's where you, the sinners lived. But it says Jesus had to go there. Why is that? He didn't have to. Everybody else walked around. He had to go there. Why? Well it turns out, as you read this, there's a, there is a reason. He came to a town called Sychar, Jacob's well was there, and tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. You know, Jesus was fully human as well as fully God. So he gets tired, because he's fully human. His disciples went to town to get food, but Jesus stayed there. Later on he told them, actually he says this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So what was the work that Jesus had to finish? I think he's working here, this is part of his work. What could be so important that he would choose to go all those extra miles to go through Samaria and to go and sit by this well that day, on a hot day, in a place where he wasn't welcome? The reason starts to become apparent. A woman was lost who needed to be found. She needed to be realigned. John says, it was about noon and a Samaritan woman came to draw water. She's the reason. She's why Jesus is here. In the Middle East, Women would follow two basic rules when it came to drawing water. Number one, it's a hot country and carrying a bag or a jar full of water would be a heavy job. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't go at, at that time of the day. You'd go out early morning or late in the afternoon, early evening because it was blazing hot. Second, you always went in company with other, other women for protection but also just for the natter. It was a social affair. But here's this woman out in the midday sun on her own why well Jesus strikes up a conversation with her with a simple request will you give me a drink he's trying to establish a connection just a simple human request will you help me out she says you are a Jew I'm a Samaritan woman like I've just gone through a list of blockages why this conversation shouldn't even be happening we don't mix remember she's saying See, men and women weren't even supposed to talk in public. In those days, a, a Jewish man and his wife would often not even walk together down the street. They wouldn't be seen in company. So why is he talking to her? And she's a Samaritan. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him, in other words me, and he'd have given you living water. In other words, what he's saying is, what I'm asking for is a chance to give you something that you're really looking for. You've come here looking for water, but I've got living water. I've got something way better. You, you've come here thirsty for something. I can give you what you're thirsty for. And she's kind of interested, but she doesn't get it. And she says, look, 
you've got nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Do, you know, how do you think you're going to meet my needs? You can't even meet your own needs. You can't even get the water out of the well. Do you think you're better, greater than Jacob, our great ancestor who gave us this well? He came and dug it. And then Jesus starts talking with her about this living water. He starts telling her, he's trying to say to her, I can meet that deepest need, that real thirst that you've got inside of you, that you can never, you always feel a bit parched and you never quite get it. You never quite slake that thirst. I want to open up something inside of you that will, it's like this living water is going to flow from inside of you. There's something's going to happen. It's like it's never going to run out. And she's like, oh, sir, please give me that water so I don't have to keep coming back here. And, 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 then, and then, she said, what's she saying in that? She's saying, yeah, I do want a life that's different than the life that I've presently got. She admits that. That's the first stage of, of Jesus giving every, anybody a new life. You've got to be fed up with the one you've already got. Enough to be able to say to him, I'd like a new one. And Jesus says to her, okay, go and call your husband. At which point she starts to stutter. Uh, well, interesting. I have no husband. You are right when you say you have no husband. You've had five and the man you're now with is not your husband. What you've now said is quite true. Now he's not telling her off because in those days a woman had no power. She could be married off and divorced and then just once she'd been divorced nobody else would have her. So this isn't like some choice thing necessarily. It doesn't mean she's a bad woman. He's, he's not telling her off. He's just telling her how it is. He's telling her, I know. I know about your life. Now we know, though, why she wouldn't come in the cool of the day with all the other women. Because they all knew too. And they weren't as gracious as Jesus about it. They knew about this complicated relational history and we don't, as I say, we don't know what it was all about, but they did because they lived in the village with her. They knew all the scandal and all the stories and all of that. And, and now it became obvious that Jesus knew about it too. And he tells her, but he doesn't tell her off because it's been said, and I love it, that Jesus never comes to rub it in. He comes to rub it out. Sir, the woman replies, I can see you're a prophet. This is what you call trying to change the subject. She's trying to get it onto something religious and churchy and sort of spiritual and theological. And, you know, oh, what would your opinion be upon the best place for us to go and worship the Lord? You know, because, um, you know, should we bow down on that mountain or should we go to that mountain and bow down? That's literally what she's saying. Where do we go and do our religious act? of bowing down that's what she's saying because that's her understanding of what worship really is because in that day Hishtavar was associated with bowing down in a particular place worship was on a temple on a mountain with a priest who did all the work while you watched and at the appropriate moment bowed down that's worship but Jesus says something to this Samaritan woman in this meeting that completely redefines worship and it realigns her heart woman I tell you that neither is so it's like, it's not that mountain, it's not that mountain. Believe this, a new day is coming. In fact, it's already here. And this is from the voice version, I love this. When the importance will not be placed on the time and place of worship, but on the truthful hearts of worshippers. The importance will not be placed on the time and place of worship, but on the truthful hearts of worshippers. How much does that speak to us? 
as a group of people here today as we're getting ready to go to two morning services here because you might think the most important thing about that is the time and the place and what I'm going to do here and what I'm going to do in this how are we going to you know and how will we get the chairs ready for all the people and if you're serving here and how will we, we do that and actually you know God's not so bothered about that like we get bothered about that all those the detail stuff that we think really matters most it's the people that he loves and he loves it when the people love him because God isn't God is interested in the who and the how and the why worship is not about when and where but who and why we get it wrong when we, we get the focus wrong on that what matters to God is not the time or the place but the heart and the truth of the worshipper Jesus says I've come now he says that since he has come worship is no longer ever going to be about going to a certain place on certain days going through certain religious motions on special days in special ways it's not about bowing your head it's about bringing your heart that's what he's interested in in the NIV it says true worshippers God is looking for true worshippers who will worship the father in the spirit and in truth what does that mean what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth it means that what what matters is not where and when but who and how that's what that says the spirit is who the truth is why it's not about where and when anymore because Jesus is the Messiah and when you meet with him and when he gives you that water to drink from on the inside you realize I can worship in spirit and in truth anytime any place anywhere forever my whole life is worship so does that mean you don't have to come to church some people say well great I, I don't need to come to church to worship maybe you've said that is it right well yes and no yes everybody worships something we've already established that and you can choose to worship God anytime any place anywhere Jesus has made it possible for us to be able to worship God in the way that God accepts it anytime any place anywhere and he will meet us like he met her as individuals on your own in a house somewhere or sitting by a well wherever you go you can have that meeting but when she found out who he was that's when she found out who she was and then she went and told other people too so that they could have that relationship and then they came with her so she went from being lost and alone in the world to being found and at home and in community with other people who worship with her that's why the practice of gathering together with a whole bunch of other imperfect people just trying to follow Jesus is so massive to us and to God because she met with Jesus alone but she didn't end up like that see that's not the end of the story you carry on as the story it says she became a disciple who made disciples that's our radical minimal standard her whole town was full of people who were lost and alone they didn't know where they should worship they didn't know even that Je what Jesus said to them that salvation is from the Jews because he's Jewish they didn't know that they're walking up the wrong mountain worshipping in all the wrong ways and he said you know it's not about that mountain it's not about that mountain it's about me the whole town were people were full of people who needed to come to him so it wasn't about where and what to do now she found who now she found why now she could really worship and she did and when she worked and she went out and she brought others 
and they met Jesus and that's corporate worship you could even argue I think that this is the first church it's full of Samaritans because what is it it's a group of people who've been lost and then found and then come together with Jesus and worship him and she told them just simply what Jesus had done she said to them come and come and see a guy who told me everything about my life but he didn't make me feel bad about it you know if he had been come and tell me everything and made me feel terrible she's not going to go and share that but in some way he'd understood her and listened to her and loved her enough it was good news that he knew everything and then that encouraged them and added something so they got faith too verse 39 says many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony he told me everything I've ever done he stayed there two more days and many more believed because of his word they said to the woman it's no longer because of what you said we believe for we ourselves have heard and we know that this is truly the saviour of the world see we're here together and we worship together because we, want, we found out who and why and that realigns our hearts to God and then together we do that and all the things that we're thirsty for he comes and puts something inside of us that that um, means we don't get thirsty again for those same kind of things so anybody thirsty let's worship the band are going to come up and uh, if you're able to stand why don't you stand up because the world will offer all kinds of great you know quick fixes that might make you feel a little bit less thirsty for a while and you can drink there and then you get thirsty again there's always somebody who'll peddle something buy this take that whatever it is that will anesthetize the pain but Jesus said if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink so as you stand ready to worship just prepare your heart do you ache for something and you can never quite never quite fulfill it if there's, if there's anybody there's a, just admit there's a part of you that's, that's dry and empty today we're going to come and worship and as we do so you can, you can bring that offering of your money as part of that because that change going to talk about it tonight from being just somebody who's about um, receiving and getting for me but being a giver makes a big difference in our lives but we want to we want to give and receive we want to give back to God and say to him you're what's most important we want to realign our our hearts as worshippers we don't want to hold anything back Lord thank you Jesus why don't somebody just just thank him Thank you, Jesus. Jesus says, whoever drinks the water that I give him or her will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give him will become in him or her a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So come to the well and meet Jesus. Jesus is right here, right now. As the offering bucket goes round, you can put something in that if you want to do that as part of your worship. But all of this, as we sing and as we give and as we, as we focus on him, we also become aware of the people around us, the people outside of these walls, the people that Jesus wants us to go and love with his love. Lord, just realign us. And we want to drink deeply in this time of worship. As we come to you, Lord, we also want to go with you and make more disciples so they get to see for themselves.
Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.